0: Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rose, where we're going, we don't need Rose. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. No, I am your father.
1: You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring and with me as always is... Phil Edwards. How you doing today, Phil? It's all good here, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about some uh, some baseball-themed films tonight.
0: I live for baseball as long as it's in films.
1: (laughs) I'm pretty much the same way. I was going to say, you know, I'd love to say that we're going to do these two movies tonight because we're both diehard baseball fans and, you know, really connect with the baseball community out there. But uh, neither of us is baseball fans. (laughs) But as we discussed last week, we both love baseball movies. So that's going to count for something, right?
0: Oh, of course. Yeah. Baseball movies work for me. When it comes to sports, I'm not really a big fan of watching them on TV, things like that. But I do like a good sports movie no matter what the sport cuz half the time they're not really about the sport they're about they're about a person's journey a person discovering things and and life yeah yeah i think and, that's as most films are right
1: right i think it's a great point though you know it's it's true i mean they're not always about the sport uh there's just that's just kind of a framing device and so i think yeah. but for some reason i will say i love i love generally all sports movies too but if i had to pick a sport movie genre that is my favorite I think it would have to be baseball, and which is funny because it's probably my least favorite sport to watch on television. But <laughs> there's something about baseball movies that I do—I just really enjoy them.
0: So, well, it could be because there's, there's so many of them.
1: But yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. You know, but they. Because uh, I mean,
0: you get you do get some American football movies, but not as I don't think there's as many of them as there are baseball. No,
1: they're they're definitely um, a little fewer and farther between than than baseball. I think you know baseball kind of has I don't know there's something very cinematic about it to me. You know, plus football is so chaotic. I think that it's harder to capture it on screen. You know, well.
0: I mean, and you do have a few uh, proper football uh, films. I mean, soccer for oh right for all the American listeners, yeah, right. But uh, there's only been a few of them. I mean, Escape to Victory is one of them, right?
1: Bend It Like Beckham?
0: Yeah, Bend It Like Beckham, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we had football. So anyway, Phil, what films are we going to be talking about tonight? I'm very glad you asked, Mike. Tonight we will be talking about the 1984 film The Natural, which is a film adaptation of Bernard Malamud's 1952 baseball novel of the same name. And we will then be talking about Field of Dreams, which is the 1989 film starring Kevin Costner.
1: Yes, which I believe is also based on a book, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yes, that's based on... W.P. Kinsella's novel, Shoeless Joe. There you go and it's got a great cast as well as Costner. we've got amy madigan james l jones ray Otter, and bert lancaster in his final film role
1: yeah field of dreams definitely a classic these are these are both classics as far as i'm concerned and so also we're going to start with the natural but i think this is going to be sort of the uh unofficial end of our robert redford trilogy if you will that started with <laughs> spy game and sneakers and now the natural uh it's, it's no secret i'm a huge redford fan i think we're going to put a little moratorium on redford films for a little while we'll, we'll get back yeah. to him but we're going to take a little redford
0: break yeah well, We'll come back to him because we've got the sting and a few others to do yeah,
1: absolutely there's a lot of good ones left in his in his filmography uh you know he wasn't much of a sequel guy either so there's a there's a you know it's ripe for the picking but yeah but we're gonna take a little break from redford just for the people out there who might be like geez another redford film <laughs> there <laughs> so, are other actors available right exactly there's, there's a few a few other actors <laughs> in hollywood so uh, all right so let's start with the natural how does that sound phil let's play ball all right Okay, so a little lengthy synopsis. I tried to keep it short, but another one of those movies where there's a lot going on, so I'm going to try and uh, get through it as painlessly as possible. So here we go. Let's go. Roy Hobbs is a kid who loves playing baseball with his dad, has a nice father-son relationship with him. His father has a heart attack and dies near a tree on the family homestead, and soon after, the tree is struck by lightning. Young Roy fashions a baseball bat out of the wood of the tree into a bat he calls Wonder Boy. Later, and it sort of becomes his his like totem, if you will. Later on, when Hobbs is nineteen, he's a promising pitcher in the minor leagues. He gets a tryout for the majors, and on his way to the tryouts, he encounters a woman named Harriet Bird on the train. She's a mysterious, beautiful woman. They go back to her hotel room, and she shoots him in the stomach—not <laughs> where he thought that was going to go.
0: I know that that was, well, I will say that that scene—it just totally threw me the first time I saw the film. You're watching it, and you're going, "Oh wow, lovely!" And then blammer yeah, yeah, yeah. How to know where I felt. Right, it, yeah,
1: right. And but it throws you for a loop, and it is kind of out of nowhere. But then we learn, then we learn, she's a serial killer who shoots rising sports stars, which makes you think this is a different movie than it's going to be, but it's not. So she then throws herself out the window and commits suicide. Roy's baseball career is effectively over. Fast forward. The end of the film. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It was a dark thriller, and uh, that's it. So fast forward 16 years. It's 1939. Hobbs is 35 years old. He's still playing, and he gets signed to the New York Knights, which the team's manager and co-owner Pop Fisher is none too happy about because he's he's aging uh, for a baseball star anyway. But Hobbs gets a chance eventually, and with Wonderboy at his side, he starts becoming a phenom again, this time for hitting instead of his pitching. Meanwhile, he also gets involved with Memo, the daughter of the team's other owner, the judge. Uh, She's known to be a curse on players, but Hobbs doesn't worry about it, and he starts to date her anyway. And then, of course, he starts to slump. We eventually find out that the judge has an agreement with Pop Fisher that if the team fails to win the pennant, the judge gets full ownership of the team, which is basically why he hired Hobbs in the first place. So the return of Hobbs's girlfriend Iris in the stands, his old girlfriend from when he was young, spurs him to hit a game-winning homer at a critical time. Memo wants to help her father win the team, poisons Hobbs before a critical game, and he winds up in the hospital. The judge tries to bribe Hobbs, but he refuses it. Uh, he suits up for a one-game playoff to the team desperately needs to stay on the run for the pennant iris informs roy that her young son is actually his son from their relationship years ago and finally roy comes up to bat with wonder boy but the bat splinters on a foul ball so he's he's now without his lucky bat so he asks one of the the bat boys to bring him another bat turns out to be one that roy helped this kid make and with that one and with the bases loaded and two outs he hits the game-winning home run which sees the ball smash into the field lights in one of baseball cinema's most memorable moments, and he runs the bases, and they win the pennant, and...
0: And the crowd goes wild.
1: And there you go, and the crowd goes wild. And uh, the film ends with a little reflection of the opening scene with Hobbs, uh, with Roy, playing catch with his son on the family farm as Iris looks on. Fade to black. So... I think you covered it well. Thank you. That's the natural. Phil, what do you have for your day after?
0: Well, the day after... It's uh, it doesn't start good to be honest. Uh, I th- I think because uh, there's lots of parallels between this the characters that were the basic story between uh, the King Arthur legend as well. Oh, now that's interesting. And I think uh, I think in the film, Hobbes gets the winning winning run. Smashes it out, but then I think in the last, as he makes, makes the final run, gets to his teammates, and I think at that moment he actually dies from the uh, bullet wound that's been eating away at his stomach all these years. Right. So I think he passes away. So I think that time you see him in the field, that's his perfect ending. Wow. That's his last thought in his head as he, uh, as he sadly passes away. However, he died a hero and a legend. He'll become this mythical figure in baseball. Uh, Iris and Hobbs' son, I don't think he's actually given a name, is he, in the film? I don't believe so. They saw this, as did many other kids, and it was, obviously it's a bit heartbreaking, but it, as I said, it inspires it inspires his son and many other people watching. So that's what I've got for the day after. It's, it's not the most, it's not the happiest thing, but it's, uh, I, think it's I think that's the way it's going to go.
1: What about you? Well, first let me just say that I just want you to know, Phil, you just killed Robert Redford. I know. I know. So I don't like your ending at all. <laughs> but he, he, he died of one. I know it's true, but but you, you can't kill Redford. Uh, no, I'm kidding. That's actually very beautiful, yet tragic. So so nicely done. Uh, I went a very different direction, and I, I will say this. These films bring out the sappy side of me, so you're going to get to see uh, the the Mike the Sentimentalist tonight. And uh, Hey, you need a bit of sap. Yeah, when I was writing up one of my endings, I even welled up a little bit, so I'm going to try really hard not to embarrass myself uh, in tonight's podcast.
0: I was like that doing uh, the one for The Field of Dreams. Oh, good. That was the same one for uh, me. So. <laughs> I was telling my mom a bit about what I had. Had for it, and she was she was the same. She almost totally burst uh, into tears.
1: Well, if we're lucky, we, we won't. So it's going to be emotional, people. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try not to become a couple of blubbering messes by the end of this episode. <laughs> but no promises. Stop it, no promises. Stop it. All right. So uh, so my ending's a little happier. Uh, the day after the the natural, it's it's the postseason. You know, Hobbs knows that his best seasons are probably behind him, but he wants to keep playing. So so he has a conversation with Iris, and they decide to keep the family farm as their home, but that he's going to keep playing until he feels ready to retire. This time, Iris and, and his son are going to travel with him and because he sees them as his good luck tokens, even though yeah. he knows that he's a good player. And it, it doesn't matter what, what he bats with or who he's surrounded by. You know, everything with Memo and Wonderboy and all that, he, he's realized that that's not what it's about. Yeah,
0: that's that's not the most important thing.
1: Right. It comes from within him. But he wants to build a relationship with his son and rebuild his relationship with Iris. So they're going to travel around with him when he's on the road. You could you could say his son is the new Wonderboy. Uh, there you go. I like that. So... Uh, uh, so that's what they're going to do. That's what they decide to do. And uh, we'll leave it there for now. So how about your immediate aftermath?
0: I've got a, the next few days and weeks, a statue is erected to honor Hobbs. He's there holding Wonderboy, ready to take that final hit into the bleachers. One of the people involved in the corruption scandal, I'm not not sure which one, but they come forward and an investigation begins into the what's been going on in the background. So hopefully some of the bad guys who are tainting the sport are going to get their comeuppance. Uh, Hobbs's son is at the ranch. He's just out there wandering around when a storm starts, and he makes it home just in time as a solitary tree is hit by lightning. Mm. As we saw that happened with uh, Hobbs at the beginning. Uh, who knows what he's going to do? Will he Will he carve a new bat? He may do. He might not. Uh, Memo Paris spins off into the path of becoming a new version of Harriet Bird, which is Barbara Hershey's character. Mm-hmm. Don't know if she'll become a serial killer, but she's going to become more and more messed up, I think. Sure. After what happened. Right. Uh, and that's what I've got for my immediate aftermath. All right. What about you? Okay, well, Hobbs
1: gets the baseball commissioner to open an investigation into the judge and Memo for their attempts to, you know, bribe and poison Hobbs. Over the course of the off-season, they find them guilty, and Memo ends up going to jail. Now, the judge isn't jailed because they... They could prove the poison, the bribe. They couldn't prove, but they knew he was involved. So, but he, so they punish him by forcing him to sell his stake in the team uh-huh. to Pop for a, for a bargain price. Roy plays for eight more seasons, and he and Pop become great friends. And Pop relies on Roy for his knowledge and his leadership role within the team. And they become known for signing players who aren't traditional powerhouses, but rather they have intangible skills like what Roy has. They're, they're kind of a team of misfits with some older players. Some younger players, some African American players, which wasn't, you know, uh, as well as much. It wasn't as done back then. Yeah. Uh, Basically, they're a very diverse team that focuses on giving good players a chance. They go on to win the pennant for five of the next eight seasons before Hobbs retires at age forty-three. During this time, he and Iris get married, and he and his son, who I'm going to call Roy Jr., uh, they develop a great bond. Finally, he's got a name. Yeah, there you uh, go. And, well, I didn't think of that. Yeah, we're very creative with the names here, you know, Roy Jr. and Jeff Jr. from a previous episode. So. <laughs> but they develop a, a, quite a bond, a very similar to what Roy had with his own father. And they, you know, they play catch together, and, and Roy teaches him about baseball, and they just really become a, a, a very close-knit father and son. Damn, I feel really bad for killing them off. <laughs> you sure? Should. you yeah. can't kill Redford oh no but your, your <laughs> I had known the... you were going to go there Phil I would to talk to you about it beforehand I know
0: I know sorry <laughs> but uh, your description of the team they put together it sounds like a uh... An earlier version of a major league.
1: Oh, yeah, it does, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I didn't think about that, but you're people right. People with singular skills and from all backgrounds. And, right, right, and that's walks true. Life, yeah. I
1: was thinking more, a little more inspirational than major league, but no, you're right, you're right. Come on, wild thing. What's more <laughs> inspirational than that? Charlie Sheen and thick rim glasses. <laughs> that is true. You know, winning. <laughs> <laughs> Oh that's great. All right, well, you can if you're listening, you can take it how you like. I was yeah. going for, you know. Yeah, I know, I know. Beauty and inspiration and, and Phil, you know, brought it down to Major League. Which is a great <laughs> film. So anyway. All right. What about your long term, Phil? What do you got?
0: Okay. Long term I've got Hobbs' son. He ends up becoming a professional baseball player. He wasn't sure whether he wanted to go that path at first, but he stays true to the sport and he honors his father, even though he never really knew him. But his mum spoke about him and he saw he saw that final. A final game but he follows the spirit stays true to the spirit of the sport and the passion and honor in the game and along with his father's legacy that inspires a whole new generation and brings brings uh starts knocking back the corruption that does filter through into some of these big uh big sporting leagues in all sports it, it does happen but it does bring this people who want to you know want to play the sport for the sport if that makes sense
1: yes it does absolutely
0: yeah. uh, and then iris goes on he'll live a nice happy life Hobbs becomes a professional player and he does well. But then years later, in a baseball pitch in Iowa, a young Roy Hobbs, not, not the son, but Roy Hobbs, Robert Redford, steps out, won the boy in his hand, steps out into a cornfield to play once more.
1: <laughs> very nice, very nice. Uh, I see what you did there, Phil. Mm,
0: I thought I'd tied in. Yeah, yeah.
1: That that we may see uh we may see some revisiting of that yeah.
0: a little but bit I, later. I, I, I also thought, because The Natural is almost this mythic quality to Redford's character. Oh, sure. Sure, definitely. So I just, I I thought that... Both films have this fantastical element to them.
1: Without a doubt, they do. And it's and it's one of the things I love about them. So
0: what have you got for your long term? All right. So Pop
1: eventually retires as the team's manager and he gives the job to Roy, who's basically been effectively operating as the team co-manager anyway. You know, Pop and him have kind of had like a partnership. Pop's still the owner and still a major presence in the team. He just doesn't get as involved in the day-to-day anymore. So Roy manages the team for the next 25 years or so. And he always continues his practice of giving chances to undervalued players. And while they don't win the pennant every year, they never have a losing season under Roy's management. I think that fits him with the character.
0: He was... He'd inspire everyone.
1: Right, exactly. I think, you know, they don't go to the playoffs or win every year, but they never have a losing record under Roy's leadership. And I think that speaks to his his character. So Roy and Iris stay married into their golden years, and Roy Jr. grows up to play baseball and joins the pros. He has a very successful career, and the Hobbs name and lineage becomes one of the most revered, respected, and beloved in all of baseball and there you go. I like that. Thanks. I like the idea of, you know, Hobbes just being one of these, the, the Hobbes name, you know, like some of the, you know, it's just one of those names that will kind of live on forever.
0: Oh, yeah. That's, I could see that totally. But what I found interesting, though, yes, uh, after watch after watching the film, but reading about it, it's because uh, it was based on the 1952 novel, and I think in the book, so oh yeah, spoiler alert, people, Hobbes has a tragic flaw, he succumbs to his appetites, women carrying on too much about his own glory, things like that, and they uh, he fails at his final time at Bath. He doesn't, he doesn't win. Really? Yeah.
1: I don't want to read that book. I know. <laughs>
0: I'm not interested in that. So it says, while the film shows Hobbes victorious and fulfilling his dreams of glory, the novel shows a Hobbes who is crushed by his own hubris and must now live as a forgotten man.
1: Oh wow, that's that's a bummer. That's yeah, yeah that's yeah. not my. I'm a happy ending guy. I don't. I don't yeah, care I can, for. I can
0: see why they went that way with the film. Yeah,
1: especially with Redford. You can't. You can't yeah. put Redford in and make him a jerk and then have him lose. Nobody. No, nobody wants to watch that. He's yeah. Robert Redford for God's sake. I know.
0: I know. But it's sold. It's uh. It says the novel draws upon uh, several sources of mythology, the King Arthur myth, but also the Fisher King. Which was tied into that was the Knight Percival, right? And we'll have you. And uh, Wonder Boy is the Excalibur. There you go. And also, hey, watching the film as well, it's the New York Knight he plays for, isn't it?
1: So. Yes, it is. That's right. Is oh, that that's great. right. Yeah, and a little tie-in there as well. Yeah. Speaking of tie-ins, do you know what I just realized? Today, as I was listening to one of our previous episodes, Phil, what's that? That the character in War Games of David Falcon, yeah, who was based on Stephen Hawking. Oh yeah, it took me until today to realize that Hawking and Falcon were sort of like oh, my God, right? Yeah. Didn't <laughs> I was thinking at first Falcon hawking kind of sounds similar and they're like no they're both birds it's a hawk and a falcon that's what it is
0: yeah oh no oh, i i didn't get that either you see i didn't either so anyway oh. so
1: there's some trivia for you folks out there who are yeah. listening
0: oh you're probably ahead of us with that one weren't they <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> you know they say the audiences aren't dumb but apparently some of us are <laughs> myself included um i i did forget to mention earlier when we when i was introing the film also by the way this is was directed by barry levinson who's a great director yeah uh and also an interesting bit of trivia for you the cinematographer was uh Caleb Chanel, who is the father of Emily and Zoe Deschanel <gasps> from Bones and The New Girl. Oh, crikey. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So there's a little uh, Hollywood history for you there. Wow.
0: Very nice. All right. Also, it's a good cast, though, in The Natural. We've got, apart from Redford, we've got, uh, well, Kim Basinger, we've already mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Duvall, Glenn Close, Wilford Brimley, the mighty Wilford Brimley, uh, Michael Madsen. And Barbara Hershey. Yeah, Barbara Hershey, of course, yeah. Yep. Uh, just some really good... Good faces and the good actors.
1: Yeah, I, I honestly can't speak highly enough of the natural. It's it's not a film that I saw when it first came out. I know it came out in '84, and you know I was young at the time. I didn't have much interest in baseball. I didn't I didn't it, you know it was a drama. I it wasn't my kind of movie, yeah. and I didn't see it until sometime in the two thousands, and. I watched it and I was just really, really struck by what a just what a great film it is. You know, Redford is fantastic. The story is great. It's very uplifting, yeah. and you know, I, I get a tear in my eye at the end of that film every time I
0: watch it. Oh yeah, the the ending. It's it's one of the great endings. Well, sport movie endings. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I I think I think I caught it, it was late one night in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. It was on TV, probably BBC Two over here, and it's just. I think I missed the first 10 minutes, but just, it just drag, draws you in. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, and even though we've spoiled it for you,
1: I really do recommend checking it out. It's, it's truly a fantastic movie.
0: I heartily agree.
1: Excellent. All right. So, Phil, why don't you take us through Field of Dreams then?
0: Okay. Field of Dreams, 1989 film. Phil Alden Robinson wrote and directed the film, which is an adaptation of W.P. Kinsella's novel Shoeless Joe. So we have Ray Kinsella, played by Kevin Costner, is an I- Iowa farmer. He lives with his wife, Annie, and daughter, Karen. Ray didn't have the best relationship with his dad, John Kinsella, and his dad was a huge baseball fan. One evening, Ray's in his cornfield, and hears the voice. If you build it, he will come. This continues, and he eventually sees a vision of a baseball diamond within the the cornfield. After talking to his wife about him, who obviously thinks, it's a little bit weird, but she goes along with it. World's most understanding wife, by the way. Yeah, definitely. She should get an award of some sort. Yeah, yeah, she's fantastic. He ends up building the baseball diamond, and it looks amazing. Uh, But months pass... And they begin losing money because they've, they've taken a big chunk out of the farm, which is, isn't bringing any money in. But then one day, while uh, Ray and Annie are having an argument, Karen looks out and sees a baseball player on the field. They go out to see it, and it's shoeless Joe Jackson, played by Ray Liotta, who uh, obviously he died years ago. Uh, but they play ball, and Joe returns with more players who are all affected by the 1919 Black Sox scandal. Time passes on, and Ray then hears the voice say, ease his pain. If you like the way I'm doing it, I'm getting you into the the feel it's, of the film. It's very effective. <laughs> this ties him with the school trying to ban the novels of Terence Mann, uh, and originally they were going to use uh, J.D. Salinger, but he he didn't want to be involved, so they changed it. So uh, Ray and Annie end up having the same dream about Ray taking Terence Mann to a baseball game. Ray tracks down Terence Mann, played by James Earl Jones, and it's a wonderful scene. He ends up convincing him. Well, first he tries to kidnap him. <laughs> Yeah. And the whole Peace, Love, Dope thing. I love that bit. Right. Uh, but he ends up taking him to... chucks uh, him down in Boston and he takes him to a baseball game. While they're sitting there watching the game, Ray hears the voice say, go the distance. And the scoreboard shows up the stats of a player called Archibald Moonlight Graham. Uh, Terrence Mann says he didn't hit, see or hear anything. And Ray says, okay. Sorry to bother you. Drives off. But then as he's turning the car around, uh, Terrence Mann is standing there and he did indeed hear the voice. So they head off trying to track down Archibald Moonlight Graham, and they find out that he played one game, one baseball game in 1922, and they track him down to Minnesota but we'll find out he died 16 years earlier. Feeling a bit disheartened, Ray goes for a walk at the evening and he notices things are strange and he sees a man, big man walking, carrying an umbrella. Turns out he's gone back to the year 1972 and that man, played by Burt Lancaster, is now Doc Graham. Uh, Ray invites Doc to play baseball once more, but Doc says no. So him and Terrence drive, head off to Iowa once more. And on the drive, they pick up a young man, a young hitchhiker by the name of Archie Graham. <gasps> yes, it's Moonlight. <laughs> so they get back. They're watching a baseball game. Ray talks to Terence, Mann about how he fell out with his dad by calling Shoeless Joe a criminal, all to do with the uh, the Black Sox scandal. He regrets that he couldn't fix things with his dad. So back on the farm, game is in full swing. Ray's brother-in-law, who can't see the players, says they need to sell the farm. But Terence, Mann says people will come. Then Ray's daughter Karen chokes and the young Archie Graham comes running up and pauses at the end of the field and steps over and becomes Doc Graham once more and saves Karen. But then Ray realises Doc Graham can't go back, can't become the young man once more and feels really bad, but Doc Graham says, it's okay, saved the young girl's life, I'm happy. And he heads off into the cornfield. After this event with uh, the girl almost choking, Ray's brother-in-law can now see the the players and says, don't sell the field, this is amazing. Shoeless Joe invites Terence Man over to the other side A man goes with him, all excited. Ray gets angry at not being invited because he built all his stuff. But then Joe says, if you build it, he will come. And nods to the catcher on the field. Turns out it's Ray's father as a young man. And this is usually when the tears start flowing when you're watching (laughs) the film. Ray introduces John to his family and his granddaughter. And they play catch as we see hundreds of cars approach. And the end.
1: Very nicely done. Not an easy movie to summarize, actually.
0: Yeah, no, and I think I've missed a few bits out, but I think I've got everything. Well, we got the the important stuff in. Frankly, if you haven't seen Field of Dreams,
1: where have you been? it's, it's, It's a very popular movie that I think most people have seen by now, so I think you did a good job of reminding everyone who's who and what's what. Thank you very much. Okay, so
0: then, Mike, what have you got for the day after?
1: Well, those hundreds of cars that are lining the drive to the baseball field are full of people who came to watch baseball, and that's just what they do. They watch the Black Sox play, and most people just think it's some kind of reenactment they don't realize it's the that, real players I
0: didn't think of that yeah you know they don't they, yeah, that, that was how the, uh...
1: yeah they don't know it's their spirits they don't they don't know exactly what it is but they they're drawn there, so they they enjoy it. Ray and Mark, his brother-in-law, have a long talk and reconcile, and Mark apologizes for all of his poor behavior over the past couple of months. Ray forgives him and invites him to sit and watch the game, and so they do. In that first night, the Black Sox win the game, nine to seven. Oh, lovely. So there you go. How about your uh, day after?
0: Well, I've got to, as uh, as the voice said, people will come, um, we see the cars arrive and people get out to come and sit and watch the game. They all pay five dollars. Ray and his family don't ask for it, but they just all just give over because you know they come to watch a baseball game, and that's just what they do. Uh, Not everyone can see the game, but even those who can't see the game, they just feel have a great feeling of sense of peace, Mm -hmm. and this enjoyable nostalgia washes over them, and it's just everybody has a, a wonderful evening. And as the game goes on, some people who couldn't see the game at first then start seeing the game, and nobody's freaked out by it. It's just wow and they have one of the best evenings of baseball they've ever had. Uh, Ray, Annie, and Karen are overcome uh, with the emotion and the generosity of everybody involved.
1: A little bit of uh, It's a Wonderful Life going on there, Phil, kind of the generosity of the town, you know, overcoming the family with
0: emotion. Exactly. I'm finished mention that because uh, when they were going to get Kevin Costner involved, they didn't think he was going to take it because I think he'd just done Bull Durham or it was either a couple of films before yeah, or something probably, like that. Yeah, probably, so yeah, right. That was another baseball film. Yep. However, Costner read the script and he he liked it and he, he he did say that he felt it would be uh this generation's it's a wonderful life oh wow look at that so you you nailed I it i see right? that it, it, which
1: yeah. i don't know that it's reached that status but it certainly is a very well loved i don't think i've ever met anybody who who doesn't like field of dreams you know it's one of those yeah. films that how can you not like it you know
0: yeah because i mean it's 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 teetering on the edge of being really cheesy and really but it's everybody involved the way it's done it's it's just magical. Yeah, it, just,
1: it is. It's yeah. magical, exactly. They pull it off. It's you know, it yeah. it could be cheesy, but it isn't. And it, it works yeah. really, really well. So well, but anyway, well, very good. I'm glad I, I glad I, I caught
0: that parallel then, even if there I didn't go. do it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what about the immediate aftermath? What have you got? All
1: right. Well, people keep showing up night after night to watch baseball. Ray never needs to do any advertising, yeah. and in he in fact he doesn't want to do any advertising, but people feel a calling to come watch these games and they, they just keep coming back. Now Ray doesn't feel right right charging people to watch the games because it's it's meant to be for everyone yeah and, and since he's not exactly paying the players he doesn't feel right about taking their money but he also knows that he needs to keep the farm. So Mark comes up with an idea, simply to set up a concession stand, and he volunteers to help run it. So the concession stand makes enough money every night to keep the farm paid for and to keep Ray and his family living comfortably, nice. without Ray having to compromise his principles. Yeah, oh, lovely. Yeah,
0: and it's pretty much that case anyway. The concession stand—that's where all the money's made. And that's the profit. Yep. Sporting <laughs> places and cinemas and everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so they, that's how they—that's how they make
1: their money. So they can keep the farm going, but they don't. Have have to uh, you know yeah they're not they're not greedy money mongers just trying to make a buck
0: that's perfect what about you well I've got a uh, different players turn up from various time periods and they, they turn up throughout the week and they practice and they just, because they all want to, you know, as they, as they say in the film, is this heaven? No, attire?" Where They just want to play baseball once once again. Right. So you're having these epic match, you know, lineups of different teams, some amazing players. They only have a game once a week, but every, every time they do have a game, people turn up. But before then, people don't really come around for some reason. That's just the way this thing works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they still have the time on the farm, but it's, it makes enough money. When people come, they pay, they pay that $5. And watch the game and go, and they all have this magical time. I uh, Eventually, I wasn't sure whether or not, but I think uh, Terence Mann returns. Mm, interesting. Yeah, but he doesn't talk about what he saw. Ray keeps asking him, but he just he just smiles and he just just goes, "It was it was amazing. It was wonderful." But he's at peace because he was quite angry when uh, Ray found him, and he begins writing again. Oh. Uh, the, f- the field helps many people. It just brings peace to them. Some of them may. It, it just reminds them of people they've lost, but then in the nice way. When they, somebody went to the, a baseball game with the grand, the grandparents, things like that, it just brings back nice memories. Sure, uh, the farm's finally making money, and uh, yeah, life's good for them. Very good. Very good. So that's what I've got for
1: that. Very nice. So I see you didn't kill Kevin Costner like you did Robert Redford. <laughs> At least not yet. Well, we haven't finished <laughs> That's yet. right. Okay, great. <laughs> Sorry I said anything.
0: <laughs> well, that's funny that we haven't had a serial killer for a while.
1: No, it's true, actually. We've, we've calmed time. you down from the serial yeah. killer bit. So. Oh, we'll have to come back to yeah, that. Yeah, we'll,
0: we'll get back to that. Okay, so uh, long term. All right. Where, where do we go from there? Long
1: term. The baseball field never wanes in popularity. Every night it's filled to capacity with people coming from all across the country. Again, well, the word just gets out – People feel drawn to it. They f- they have a calling to come to those people, and it, it it you know helps families bond and it repairs relationships and it just you know does some good for the world. Uh, meanwhile, Mark and Annie, Mark the the brother-in-law and Annie work the concession stand, and Ray pretty much runs the farm by day and then just watches baseball at night. His father isn't a regular, uh, and Ray doesn't see him very often. But once a year or so, his dad comes back, and he and Ray play catch, and he gets to play with uh, Karen and. You know, he shows up and has a little dad moment. Uh, One day, Ray reads in the news that Ray's favorite player of all time has died peacefully in his sleep at the age of 94. That player's name? Roy Hobbs. (gasps) Oh. (laughs) And the next night, Hobbs trots out onto the field and is greeted by a standing ovation. He waves at Ray uh, before running back into the lineup and continuing his lifelong love of baseball. Oh. And I'm not going to lie, a little tears in my eyes.
0: Excellent. So we so we both we both came at it but in a different right, way. Right, right, exactly. With, with exactly. Standing off. Yeah, it yeah. was
1: well it's a natural tie-in when you put once you look at the two films Hold together. On. It's a natural tie-in. Oh, Come boy. on. <laughs> I wasn't even trying. God, i like been in a field in June. <laughs> oh, oh we're, gonna, man, that was bad. we're gonna win some pun awards this week uh, <laughs> but it is a natural connection when you watch the two films back to back that you can just go well here's this player from this time period he's gonna end up in in the field of dreams you know yeah
0: so, you could you could see yeah it could it could field of dreams could be set in the same universe without a doubt yeah, yeah. Abso- yeah absolutely
1: yeah. and also uh i'm not a heartless bastard like you i don't kill <laughs> off robert redford so
0: I mean, eventually,
1: but he died at 94 yeah. in my story, so. Well, you know, it's... <laughs> I'm just going to say, Phil, I'm going to hold a little grudge against you for killing off Robert Redford, but well, I'll get over it eventually.
0: Oh, well, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, it's fine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you, you did kill, uh, you know, the dude. I some... did kill the... No, I didn't kill oh, the Oh, no, he's a in a, yeah, in a
1: coma, a I killed, uh, what's his okay. name? The world's most annoying character, Sobchak, Walter yeah. Sobchak. Yeah. So, you can't get mad at me for that.
0: No, well, yeah, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> so, just just to remind everybody, you can listen to our previous episodes on SoundCloud, <laughs> iTunes. And anywhere there's good podcasts available: that's right, <laughs> nicely done, Phil. That sounded very professional. I should pay you or something. Just some guy walked in and did the voiceover thing. It was crazy. yeah, think it's that. gone now, yeah all right,
1: Phil don't keep us in suspense what's your what's your long term?
0: Uh, the games continue uh, man's books sell well and inspire a new generation, but obviously people are going there they're seeing seeing these people who died, some people see them, some don't. It's a bit weird. So some scientists are going to turn up eventually and some paranormal investigators from New York City turn up by the name of uh, Peter, Ray and Egon.
1: Very nice, very nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, they come to check out the field and it really helps with their research and they, they get focused and write a paper and they end up getting tenure at the university where they are. They don't get fired, wow. which is what was going to happen. Wow. Uh, but Peter Venkman, who's a big fan of baseball, he returns often to watch the game. In the meantime, Karen grows up, she moves away, uh, she meets someone and they marry. Uh, Ray and Annie have a happy life.
1: Ray um, Kinsella, not Ray yeah. dance, right? Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bringing them
0: in. Yeah, uh, Ray Kinsella and Annie, Annie have a happy life. The farm keeps making money and bringing peace and happiness to, to hundreds, thousands of people. But then one day, Karen hears the news that Ray has died suddenly one night oh while gosh. I was at the field. You are yeah. a sadist. However, she had, she was calling up to let them know the news that she was pregnant with the first grandchild. Bittersweet, Phil.
1: Bittersweet. I know. So you killed Redford. You kill Costner. Yeah. It's just like kill crazy rampage. I, you know what? I think I know who the serial killer is. This episode, <laughs> it's me. <I'm> <laughs> exactly, <killer>. it's you.
0: <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but anyway, a uh, f- few years later, Karen keeps coming back to the car- uh, to the farm. Annie keeps it going because it's just well, you have to. She keeps keeps it going. People keep coming, but uh, Karen comes to visit him one at the farm with the two grandkids, and while they're reminiscing about Ray in the evening, one of the grandkids says. There's a man on the field, Mommy. Mm. They go out, and the grandkids finally get to play ball with their grandfather. Oh, very nice. So when the game is over, Ray, for it is he, he kisses Karen. She hugs her, and Ray looks at Annie, and she looks at him. And they both look at Karen. She nods. She hugs them both, and they all smile. Annie takes Ray's hand, and they walk together into the cornfield. The end.
1: Oh, yeah. Now I'm welling up from your ending. Alright, I forgive you for killing
0: Kevin Costner. And I I just thought it was I thought it was the natural thing to do.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> all those all my tears have gone away now because of the, the pain
0: of that pun. I give with the one hand and take away with the other pun.
1: <laughs> you certainly do, Phil. Yeah.
0: You certainly do.
1: Oh, that was very nice That's a nice ending. I, Thank I you do very much. I, I do like that very
0: much. So there yeah, you go. all right. Oh, but interestingly, a little fact, Tom Hanks was originally offered the role of Ray Kinsella. Really? Yeah.
1: I can see that, though. I think that would have been equally as good.
0: Yeah, and also, during the Fenway Park scene, Mm -hmm. uh, there was thousands of people there, but two of the people in that scene were Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Really? Apparently, yeah. Wow.
1: That's fun. Yeah. A little fun trivia for you. We're just full of trivia, aren't we, Phil? Yeah, we're just full of it. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to say, you know, Kevin Costner is very famous for two baseball movies, Bull Durham and Field of Dreams, but he made a third baseball movie called For Love of the Game, which oh, God, yeah. isn't overly popular, but it's a movie that, that my wife and I have a, a very uh, big soft spot for. It's, it's I think, a very good film. It's much more focused on the relationship. He plays a much more uh, bitter, uh, acerbic character in this film. Uh, and it, it's a lot more about this, a little more Jerry Maguire, less, you know.
0: Yeah, I've, I think I've only seen it the once. It's a
1: film that we love. And it has one of my favorite movie lines of all time in it, which is, no but we can still be good friends which doesn't sound like a great line <laughs> until you watch the movie so there's my challenge for you people if Ooh. you're listening go watch For Love of the Game and you'll see why that's one of my favorite movie lines of all time but it is a good movie I do recommend it I know it's it's like I said it has some detractors I don't think it, it's as well loved by everybody as it is by me but I like it and I think it's worth watching so
0: just wanted to mention that it's funny though because because Kevin Costner has done quite a few sports movies because oh, yeah. uh, he did uh, was a Tin Cup the golf one Tin
1: Cup yep and he also did more recent he did McFarland USA which is about uh, re- running
0: yeah and he did uh, was it draft day the American football Yeah, one? draft day he did yeah. about
1: football yeah so he's kind of I mean I think he he knows that people love to see Kevin Costner in sports films you know it's yeah. sort of a, an American tradition if you will alright well uh, so that wraps up our endings for The Natural and Field of Dreams if you have some opinions on how you think the films might have ended after the endings please feel free to let us know we will be taking comments on Facebook at facebook.com slash after the ending podcast and it's come to my attention recently that not everybody in the world is on facebook yes so we are going to be setting up an email address uh, as well as a twitter feed so that we will have more uh, access for people who want to get in touch with us yes lots so- of ways for
0: people to give feedback and we apologize for not getting them set up sooner Exactly.
1: Speaking of Facebook, though, we've had a little uh, feedback on Facebook that I wanted to share.
0: Oh, go on. What's that? All right.
1: So first of all, one of our listeners, Laura Connell, has suggested a couple of movies, and they are Fight Club and Back to the Future 3. (sighs) Oh, good God. Now, Fight Club has been on our list already. It's one we're we're planning on doing. But Back to the Future 3 was not on our list, and so I wanted to let Laura and our other listeners know we're going to add that to our list because I don't think there's any reason we can't do – The last sequel of a film franchise, right? It's because it's the end of it, so there's. There's exactly. more, so yeah. Wow. Exactly, and we're big Back to the Future fans, so that is one that we're going to tackle in a future episode. So thank you for the suggestions, Laura. We appreciate your listening. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. I do too. The other feedback that I wanted to share also comes from Facebook. comes from our listener, Jay Tanner Perry, and he says, Loving the podcast, guys. Gets the imagination running. Been there since episode one. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank that. you very much. And he suggested a couple of movies, uh, both of which were on our list, but I'm going to tell you what they are anyway because they're good ones. One is Goonies. Of course. Yeah. One of the best movies of all time. And the other one uh, is. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, really?
0: Uh, I don't know. I think I came to it late. I didn't see it when I was young enough, I think. Wow. I, I mean, I enjoy it. It's a good film, but I don't have this. don't think I have the same thing that many people do. First, you kill Redford. <laughs> and now
1: you hit me with this, Phil. I, I, this is this. I got to tell you. This is a hard episode for me. This is the final episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We will not be back next week, folks. Sorry to say. Thanks for listening. After the fallout. It's been a good episode. run, but I, I can't do this anymore. I only work with professionals. No, I'm just kidding. Well, that's interesting. Well, then when we talk about it, we'll have to uh, – we'll have to get into that a little bit but he yeah. uh but anyway so jay recommended goonies which we ha- we do have on our list joking
0: aside though it'll be a good good film to do
1: yes i'm i'm looking forward to that we think we can have a lot of fun with that yeah. the other film that jay recommended was the last starfighter which is a kind of, i guess kind of a cult classic wouldn't you yeah. say
0: i do like that one yeah oh i do too but cult classic yeah cuz it wasn't
1: it wasn't a huge box office hit. I mean, I think it was successful, but it wasn't like, you know, a blockbuster per se. I think it's really kind of grown in popularity over the years.
0: Yeah, it, it is one of those films. And every time I mention it online, there's, there's always there's always lots of people commenting on it how much they love it.
1: Right, right, exactly. I think it is a very well-loved film.
0: So, uh, Jay, I wanted to let you know we're going to do that. In
1: fact, we're going to do that next episode. Yeah, How
0: would you like them apples, Jay? You said it, we're doing it.
1: That's how we roll. Ask and you shall receive, listeners. This is how it works. You leave us feedback and we will pretty much Do what you say. That that might end badly, but this could be messy. (laughs) We'll at least talk about the films you want us to talk about. So, yeah, uh, we'll come back to that at the end of the episode. We're going to talk about our upcoming films, but Last Starfighter will be one of them in our next episode. So, yeah. Alrighty, Phil, why don't you uh, tell us what's going on in the world of movies? What are we talking about tonight?
0: So we're going to go Marvel. It's another comic book movie, but people like them. I like them. I love comics, so let's talk about them. Why not? Benedict Cumberbatch has been filming in New York City with Chiwetel Ejiofor. Uh, They've been filming Doctor Strange. And it's the mystic side of the Marvel Universe. And the photos show Benedict Cumberbatch in full costume. And it looks amazing. It looks spot on, which is what you'd expect from uh, a Marvel film. And also, some nice photos have been popping up when Benedict Cumberbatch was inside a comic shop in New York Buying some Doctor Strange graphic novels and things in costume.
1: Yeah, those are pretty great. I thought that
0: that was. He's always struck me as being a very cool
1: person. That was nice of him to just pop into the store, you know, buy some comics, take some pictures of people, and and just be a cool guy. I do want to say though, whoever thought it was a good idea to have to put the names Benedict Cumberbatch and Chiwetel Ejiofor on the same movie poster, (laughs) really apparently likes a challenge because that is (laughs) that has got to be some kind of combination I've never seen before.
0: It's a lot of syllables. It really is.
1: All right, that's yeah, that's exciting. I can't wait. The, I think the pictures of him in costume, you know, I've never been a huge Doctor Strange fan as far as the comics go. He's He's always been a good supporting character. I never felt like he could yeah. kind of carry his own book. But one of the things that really struck me was when they first showed the pictures of him in costume was just how great he really looks as that character like yeah
0: it is like he stepped out the comic book
1: yeah he exactly it's like he stepped out of the pages of the comic book he looks so good he looks just like the character and and that's that tells you something right off the bat i think so i am very much looking forward to that movie
0: I, i think the one problem with the character is uh trying to keep a handle on his powers limitations of his magical abilities because it's magic he could if he knows the spell he could pretty much do it so I think that's right. what the writers always have to, to keep keep an eye on.
1: Yeah and he's always going to spout all these Eye of Agamotto and tendrils of an yeah, octopus or whatever and you're sort of. Yeah
0: but I think if anyone can do it uh, Cumberbatch can do it. Oh oh sure yes I agree. But that looks good and also the other thing I saw was some set photos from New Zealand of Alien Covenant. Yes yes how's that look? It's, uh, it didn't really show much apart from the beautiful scenery but it looked right. like some kind of either futuristic habitation or spacecraft hmm. but this is the uh, this is the Ridley Scott's new alien film which is a secret, sequ- which is basically Prometheus 2, but they've now decided to call it Alien Covenant.
1: Well, because for box office reasons, really. Yeah, I mean, I think so. You know, people want to see an alien movie, and it's going to make more money that way. And yeah, you know, Prometheus was. Uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful looking film, but it was an absolute yeah stinking mess. Yes, thank you, thank you for saying that. That that sums <laughs> up nicely exactly how I feel about it. Yeah, uh, so many, so many problems with that movie. Yeah, <laughs> but it's. Uh... Uh... But it, but it looks nice. Uh, hey, I'm an intergalactic space scientist, and here's a, a a new alien life form shaped like a snake. I think I'll take off my protective gear and touch
0: it. What could go wrong? They all take the helmets off right at the beginning anyway. Don't need to get into the place, and they go, yeah, on? yeah. oh, it's fine, yeah. And okay. and let's
1: not talk about the fact, spoiler alert, but the Charlize Theron's character is smart enough to captain a spaceship through, you know, millions of miles of space, not smart enough to turn left when there's a giant donut-shaped spaceship bearing down on her. I
0: know. Like, I can, I can hear, Ugh. I can hear all, all the Prometheus watchers because well, I know there's fans of the film, but Prometheus people having the same opinion as us, just going, yep, yep, I know what you mean, I know what you mean, <laughs> yeah, oh, I think God. so. But it, it was a beautiful looking film.
1: Oh sure, but it's, well, listen, here we, this is a, this is a discussion, if we're going to throw it down, we may as well. I'm not a big Ridley Scott fan, there's my controversial opinion of the week, uh, you know, I always like to have one of those. I generally do not care for Ridley Scott films, I can probably count on one hand the number of Ridley Scott
0: films that I actually like. They, they do have a certain coldness about them, I find.
1: Uh, yes, and that's why I was so surprised by The Martian, actually, which I loved.
0: Yeah, that was, that's quite different.
1: Yeah, I, I find Ridley Scott to be one of the most humorless directors in Hollywood, and then the. Martian came along and it's you know got nominated for a golden globe for best comedy it's it's not a comedy but it has a lot of humor
0: in it so that was a big surprise for me but that, that a lot of that came from the book though and the character anyway so
1: Right, but I just didn't think that Ridley Scott would embrace it and and be able to pull it off that well. You know, I mean I think a lot of credit goes to Matt Damon and and the screenplay, but I'm just I was still very surprised by it.
0: But all of his films they I mean, they look they always look amazing. Oh, sure, sure. But it's it's like Blade Runner. I used to love Blade Runner, but I watch it every few years and every time I watch it I just I think the coldness comes to... And also, I be lots of people are going, what are you talking about? But just, <laughs>
1: that is, that's a controversial opinion already. Right. but
0: I, I mean, I, I love the first half of Blade Runner, but then it just suddenly seems to get all wrapped up and over too quickly.
1: That's interesting.
0: Probably, it's probably because I'm... Yeah, I think that's probably it. it's... I'm probably being selfish doesn't go the way i want it just seems to end too soon I probably want a bit more
1: (laughs) no i understand i understand listen you'll never hear me arguing about a ridley scott film you know arguing on the side of the angels for it but what's interesting is so my blade Runner experience is very different i spent years trying to watch that movie and i could never get past the first half hour 40 minutes of it because i was always bored to tears and i started trying to watch it from when i was a kid and then as a teenager and I, i could never i just could never get i could never finish the movie and then I think it was in the, I don't know, early 2000s, they started doing the Blu-ray editions of it. And I, I you know, or at least the DVD, like the special editions not the Blu-ray, yeah, but like the yeah. special edition DVDs. And I finally got one of those ones that had like five versions, the director's cut and all that stuff. And I said, I'm going to sit down and watch this movie. If it kills me, I'm going to yeah. finish it because I've never actually watched the whole film. And um, I finally sat down and watched it, and I got it that time. Yeah. I finally got it. I'm like, that's why people love this movie. So I, I do actually enjoy the movie um, quite a bit now. But it certainly took me some doing to get to that point.
0: Well, that's the thing. As I say I did love it, and I still when I when I watch it now, it's I still it's always oh, it looks amazing. Harrison Ford, Rutger Hauer, Daryl Hannah, and everybody involved are all brilliant, and it just it's got a great feel to it. It looks stunning, but just as time goes on and I watch it. I think it's probably just I'm not satisfied with the ending. Sure. Even though it's it's a good, it's it's the way the characters would go. And it does, I mean, uh, Roy Batty's scene on the roof when he, he dies, you know, time to die. Yep. Tears in the rain and all that. It's just, that's a stunning scene. Right. But it's just, I don't know, just the ending just no, has this coldness I, a bit too much. I can understand. Believe me. I'm sure if you want to, the listeners out there want to put some comments down there telling me why I'm wrong. Go ahead, but
1: uh, (laughs) there you go. Listen, I don't like Ridley Scott. You don't love Blade Runner. If that doesn't get people to write in angry hate mail, I I don't know what will.
0: But I am interested to see about Blade Runner two. Yeah, I don't. I I, because mainly because it's Dennis Villeneuve directing it. The Prisoners and Sicario.
1: Yeah, 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 right, right. Yeah, but he also didn't he also do Enemy with with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, that's a crazy film. That movie. Oh. Oh let's that's all I you
0: yeah. that could be a curious one to do uh and after the ending for that
1: if you know if that it could be if i had any idea what <laughs> the hell happened in that movie it'd be a lot easier to do an after the ending for it because i don't i don't understand that movie at all but um yeah yeah, yeah. I, it's a bit of a yeah had mess yeah <sighs>
0: blade runner 2 we'll see we'll see but uh, funny, funny enough though that is some blade runner 2 news because dave batista yes i'm mm-hmm. really no good with names tonight <laughs> hey, batista he's uh he's now signed up he teased it at the beginning of the weekend with a little uh origami unicorn right but he's now confirmed that he's going to be in it right that's fun but we don't know whether he's going to be a blade runner or a replicant right. or whatever yeah we'll see we'll so see. He, jo- he joins harrison ford ryan gosling and robin wright okay Okay. so it's definitely a good cast
1: yeah well I guess that kind of answers the question of whether Re- Deckard's a replicant or not isn't it then because unless yeah. they're going to make Harrison Ford look like he's 30 years younger I don't see how you can say he's not a replicant mm-hmm. or say that he is a replicant
0: because he's aged well it's always yeah Ridley Scott says he is but he's nah Ridley Scott what does he know what does Ridley <laughs> Scott know he doesn't he doesn't know anything. <laughs> Ridley, if you're listening. Yeah. If you want to call know, we're, we're burning a lot of bridges tonight. Yeah. You know,
1: the show may end because I am mad at you, but it won't matter because we won't have any listeners left after <laughs> yeah. this episode well, anyway. It's
0: a wonderful life. That's a rubbish film. You, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'm joking, yeah. I love a fuck. Garbage. <laughs> Feel
1: the dreams terrible. All right, listen, but here's here's the deal, Phil. If you ever disparage Casablanca yeah. We're we're through. I'm just telling you that. A blank, right now. What's that about a guy playing the <laughs> piano? What? I I will take you down, my friend. Yeah, I am back not to even. Paris. <laughs> All right. So um okay, well there you go. So there's some good movie news. Uh something I wanted to talk about cool. that we didn't have a chance to talk about when it was currently in theaters, because uh, we did not exist as a podcast. Oh, we existed as people. Did we? You know, you and I.
0: Did we? You know, we weren't born eight weeks ago. Maybe we're just the imagination of the listeners. <laughs> Could be. Well, that's messed somebody's mind up listening who's had a few years. <laughs> right, right. are suddenly going, whoa. <laughs>
1: but, uh, but obviously, just a couple of weeks ago, by the time you hear this, uh, we'll have seen the home video release of a little tiny film you might have heard of, uh, my big fat Greek... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> nice callback. Thank you. Star Wars The Force Awakens. Star Wars has... The Force Awakens. I'm not aware yeah. of
0: this. What's this no, about? No,
1: it's... Uh, well, you probably wouldn't like it. Because Star
0: Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds
1: awfully violent. Yes. War. Why is everything about war these days? Yes. So anyway, Star Wars Force Awakens is out on home video, and uh, I think everyone, anybody who's listening to this podcast has probably seen it by now. So I just thought it'd be nice to kind of take a minute and share our opinions of the film, because I thought people might be curious.
0: Yes. So what did you think, Phil? Did you like it? Star Wars The Force Awakens, I, to be honest, I loved it. I I really enjoyed it. Good man. It, it just, it gave me that feeling, well, it gave me that feeling of Star Wars once again. Yeah, yeah. I know lots of people complain about saying, oh, it's a rehash of a new hope. Yeah, spoiler alert, nobody cares. Yeah, I could see bits and pieces and things like that, but I didn't care because it just, it was the characters that we know and love we're just moving on older and the story progressed and i just thought i, I thought it was a wonderful film
1: yeah I, I thought it was paying homage to the original to, to a new hope more than it was ripping it off everyone said it's the exact same film it's not you know i don't remember the uh stormtrooper you know deserting the empire and yeah.
0: joining the resistance in the in the first movie i mean it did, it did a much better job doing that kind of thing than superman returns did right right with the superman films
1: well I, I couldn't agree with you more phil it's
0: uh i mean it had so many great bits in it
1: it really did it had a lot of great character moments it had a lot of humor, it, like you said, it really felt like watching a Star Wars film. And you know, I went back and watched the prequels before the Force Awakens came. Oh, I watched all six films before the yeah. uh, Force Awakens came out. But you know, and I and I watched the prequels, and I've never hated the prequels. I don't think they're nearly as bad as people make them out to be. I don't. I've never hated them. I don't. You know, I don't love love them. I don't think they're the greatest films ever. But they're not completely terrible. And actually, my opinion on the, this time around switched a little bit. I liked the second one a lot more than I ever have before, which is always my least favorite of the trilogy. Mm. But what the thing for it is they never really felt like Star Wars to me. You know, yeah. I always felt yeah. like the the ship designs were too radically different for only being a you know a thirty year difference. The yeah, the, yeah. the, the over reliance on CGI, especially in the third film, just really makes them a visual kind of mess at times. And I just never really got that that feeling of Star Wars. And Force Awakens had it. It felt like the next movie It was
0: dirty and messy and everything you want yeah
1: it was just it was just a continuation you know you could have convinced me that george lucas made it if you tried hard enough and and i mean or at least had (laughs) more to do with it i should say you know um but it it felt right and you know the characters were great the new characters were fantastic i mean i think bb8 is is a fantastic droid i think ray is she's one probably my new favorite film character in the past like Five years. Oh,
0: Daisy Ridley was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, she
1: is. She's she's great. You know, I thought John Boyega did a great job as Finn.
0: Oh, he was he was amazing, and I loved it all around the actual film, all the uh, the promotional stuff. Yeah, John Boyega, he was the best. He was just going around. You could just see he was so he was so made up to yeah, be in the film. Yeah, which is great. He was he was the fanboy in all of us but he was actually in the film. It was really good.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, and Oscar Isaac who I have a huge man crush on. He's one of my favorite actors working right now. I mean, he he, you know, he is great. I like to see more of him in the, in the next films, but just I, it really, it, to my mind, you know, did everything right. Is it is it perfect? Does it have zero flaws? Of course not, you know, but I think the people who, who are, you know, who nitpick it are missing out on some of the, the, just the fun of it and the excitement of it and, you know, just how great it looked and, and so many cool yeah, moments just, in it, you know.
0: Just a great thing. And I, I went and took my daughter to see it as well because she loves right. Star Wars. And, you know, the scene with Han and Kylo. Yeah, yeah. Han Solo. Han Solo is one of her favorite characters. Of course. And and we did, uh, we I took her to the uh, secret cinema. Uh-huh. Nice. Uh huh. Nice. Over summer, which was all you know, showing the Empire Strikes Back, but it was like walking on Tatooine and everything. So we had an amazing time there. But we took it to see the film, and she was just even that bit when Han met Kylo. She was uh, she was going. She went. Well, I'm really sad, but <laughs> right, I, c- I can see why it happened. Yeah, yeah,
1: but, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that was certainly uh, you know, I'm a huge Han Solo fan. It's always been my favorite character, you know. But I felt like. All of the major character beats happened for a reason, you know, and yeah. and that's you know that's that's really nice to see. So I I, I you know, you're never going to convince everybody, yeah, to love any kind of movie, but I do think that most people, most Star Wars fans will agree that it's it's you know. I thought it was about as good as we could have hoped for. Frankly, I mean, I really have very few problems with it at all. So I think I
0: think it was because if they if they gone the other way and made it, you know, try to they didn't have anything the nudge to the uh, you know to a new hope, right? Then you just would have had. Well, you would have people complaining no matter what you do.
1: Speaking of people complaining, uh, there's obviously, I know it's kind of old news by now, but there's been a lot of people, a lot of people talking about how much they hate Batman versus Superman. Yeah. yeah. And I've seen, I don't think I've ever seen so much online hatred towards a movie, but I just want to say three words to all those people out there who really think that Batman versus Superman is the worst movie ever made. (laughs) And those three words are Batman and Robin. Let's all take a moment Ooh, yeah, yeah, to remember sure. okay, yeah, the Bat yeah. Nipples and Arnold Schwarzenegger's computer-generated tear. I used to see you and Chris O'Donnell as Robin and Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl. And yeah. you, you, you make a good point, Mike. Yeah. I am just saying, Batman versus Superman, as we talked about last week, has a ton of flaws. But think about what kind of Batman movies we were getting. 20 years ago it it mm. wasn't pretty after Tim Burton left the franchise. Yeah, so yeah. just something to keep in mind there, you know. A little perspective goes a long way.
0: Yeah, you've got to take the rough with the smooth. But oh, we did have the uh, over the weekend the first teaser trailers for the animated adaptation of the Killing Joke have dropped. And yes. that looks very nice. Yes,
1: it does. I'm very excited about that.
0: So if you, if you if you weren't a fan of uh, Batman versus Superman and you want to see the proper Batman there you we go. Will, we will be getting it in The Killing Joke because That's it's right. Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill doing Batman and the Joker.
1: Yes, yes. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that once it's uh, released. And we still, can... Yeah,
0: there's still no release date, but apparently you can pre-order it on Amazon.com. Well, there you go. I don't there think you can go. do it uh, on the Amazon UK one, but...
1: Well, I'm sure soon enough you'll be able to. Yeah, I'll uh...
0: be out there, but it looks, looks good.
1: Very cool. Uh, any other film news you want to talk about before we start to wrap things up, Phil?
0: Oh, there's just one other thing, yeah. It's... Yeah. Uh, the film Swiss Army Man, it stars Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe.
1: Right, and Daniel Radcliffe, is, isn't he dead?
0: Yeah, he's dead. He's right. a corpse who apparently has a severe case of flatulence. <laughs> but it, it, it played it played at some film festivals, and I think it divided the critics. That's what I've heard. It's, it's It sounds a bit crazy. The first trailer was released, and it looks... Uh, well, yeah, I don't really know. I was reading <laughs> about it. I don't really know what to make of it, so... I wanna go in with an open mind I think when I get to see it.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm 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 curious to say the least. Yes certainly looks interesting i did hear it's very love it or hate it from the people yeah. who've seen it at the festival so yeah. it'll be interesting to see i i do give daniel radcliffe credit for doing something different i think he's a very talented actor uh beyond harry potter oh
0: his casting decisions after after harry potter have been incredible he's just he's gone for all so many different things yes making yes. sure he's not typecast. I, I think he
1: has a long and fruitful career ahead of him i, I really yeah. do yeah. Uh, you know I, I like him and actually i just watched victor frankenstein
0: oh i've not i've not seen that yet what's how did that go
1: well i just i just watched it with with Daniel Radcliffe and James McAvoy, who is probably my number one man crush. They were there with you watching it. (laughs) No, no, sorry. Let me let me rephrase that. I watched *Victor Frankenstein*, which starred Daniel Radcliffe and James McAvoy. James McAvoy is probably hands down my favorite actor in the world right now. I will watch him in anything. I think he's brilliant. Uh, I I love him, and I say that with probably more than a hint of man crush in there. But (laughs) he's, he's very good. Very good actor. *Victor Frankenstein*. Interesting film. Is it as bad as people have said? No, it's not. Okay. Is it as good as it could have been? No, it's not. I, I liked what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it a little more hip, a little more action-y at times. Daniel Radcliffe is terrific in it. James McAvoy, I get the feeling it's like watching James McAvoy on cocaine. That's kind of how he portrayed Victor Frankenstein. Okay. Um uh, it's interesting. It's not a bad film. I, I enjoyed it somewhat, I'll say. Yeah, I'll definitely
0: get to, I'll watch it at some point, but
1: Yeah, watch it with tempered experta- expectations. That's my yeah. that's my advice.
0: Okay. So so there you go. Okay, one well, one other thing before I forget. It looks like Mel Gibson is on the comeback trail. hmm After he had a few <laughs> what he, <laughs> he did eh, a something. few silly things. Yeah, he had a he had a couple of rough couple of rough years there. A few offensive things and yeah. Okay, but it, it, he's in a film called Bloodfather. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a new trailer for that, and it looks quite interesting. He's playing a guy called John Link, and it says he's been a drunk, a drug addict, a motorcycle outlaw, and a convict in his time, and now he's determined to keep his daughter from harm wow. and for once in his life do the right thing, which, you know, it could, could be describing Mel Gibson, some of that. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, it looks interesting. It's based on a novel by the same name, by Peter Craig, and also stars William H. Macy, so... I think I'll be keeping an eye for that one.
1: Yeah, I'll give it a shot. You know, I, I learned a long time ago to separate performers from their real lives. Yeah. and what they do on screen or in music or whatever
0: because some of them are absolute idiots
1: right it's true and that you know it's hard because you don't you know sometimes it's people that you really like you know but i'm Mm. like i'm a huge oasis fan but i've always found the gallagher brothers to be you know proper (laughs) jerks but it doesn't change i like their music and i've just sort of had to get over that over the years so now i try and separate i don't think that mel gibson is a person that i want to hang out with yeah but you know if he makes a good film he makes a good film and i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it and Try and remain open, open-minded open about it. So
0: we'll see what happens. Totally agree with you there. I think you got it spot on.
1: All right. So a couple last things to do to wrap things up. First of all, Phil, let's tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week. Obviously, we've already said one of the films, but go ahead and uh,
0: fill us in. Yes, yeah, so... We're... Fill, fill us in. Get it? Fill us in. Oh, go fill, ahead. So oh. fill us. Okay. I'll... That was a mic touch. <laughs> no, that wouldn't work. Okay. So yeah, as we've already mentioned, we're going to be doing The Last Starfighter. Which is, a, is it a cult cool classic, would you say, or just a classic?
1: Well, I guess that depends on who you ask. Why don't we let the uh, audience weigh in on that? You tell us. Sci-fi classic. What do you think? Classic or cult classic? Drop us a line, yeah. let us know.
0: So we're doing that one. And also we will be doing our first Quentin Tarantino film, as we will be doing Pulp Fiction. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty excited which, about that. Yeah, that, that's, that's
1: I'm looking forward to doing that. That's going to be fun, I think. You know, that's, that's mm. a great film. I love that movie. Everybody loves that movie, I think. And uh, there's just so many... So many fun things to
0: to do with the characters afterwards. So, so actually, though, think, thinking about it, there's lots of characters. So it's uh, it's going to be a long episode, people. That's right. That's <laughs> right.
1: Buckle up. We may be here for a while next week. <laughs> So, all right. So there you go. So that's what we'll be doing next week. Now, a couple things I wanted to mention. Uh, first of all, we're going to, well, I'm going to be doing a, a live appearance at Free Comic Book Day. If you are in the capital region of New York, I will be appearing at Aqualonia Comics in Troy. And uh, I'm going to be setting up for Free Comic Book Day. And I'm going to be there uh, representing after the ending. And I'll be actually doing some kind of man on the street interviews, uh, talking to people oh. about their favorite film endings or least favorite film endings. And hopefully we'll have some fun with it and and we'll share some of the interviews and the comments here on the podcast in a future episode. Should be good. I like the sound of that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And that is going to be on Saturday, May 7th. It's the first Saturday in May and that will be at Aqualonia Comics, which is in Troy. You can look them up online. Uh, it's on Fulton Street. But if you're in the Capital Region, you like to swing by and say hi and maybe end up on a future episode,
0: uh, come on by and, and we will chat. You know, it makes sense. And even if you're not anywhere near that on free comic book day, go to your local comic book store, pick up some of the free Comics, buy some comics and support your local comic book store because they're brilliant. I could not agree with you more, Phil. And you know, I used to work in a comic book shop. Money wasn't great, but you got to read comics all day and talk <laughs> about comics to everybody who came in. That's a pretty good thing. It was a great job. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah, lots of fun.
0: So, Phil, uh, tell people where they can find you online. You can find me at liveforfilms.com and all its associated social media Twitter, Facebook, uh, Google. Plus. Because wow, Google Plus is still a thing. <laughs> is it okay? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> also on Instagram. Sorry, Google Plus people. I know you. you I know you're you're sorry. trying, and we appreciate. I know. That. And to all the fans on Google Plus, I love you. You're brilliant. There you go. Uh, but yeah, on all social media, liveforfilms.com. If you like movies. Well, obviously you do because you listen to this. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so
1: where can we find you, Mike? Well, you can find me at IWantmy2dollars.com. That's all things pop culture. And also you can find me on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash Mike Spring Official. Now I wanted to announce I'm having a little contest I just launched where you can win a, a vampire prize pack that includes a super cool Nosferatu t-shirt, oh, nice. uh, a vampire movie DVD, and a an autographed copy of my audiobook, which is an audiobook of my vampire story called Bloodsucker Blues
0: it's very good I've read that and I really
1: like it Uh, thank you thank you very much Uh, sequel coming soon lots of exciting stuff in the works but all you have to do is swing by my author page there and you can read up on the full details of the contest and how you can win this cool vampire prize pack, and uh, and help me out at the same time so please visit me there facebook.com slash Mike Spring official well that's going to wrap us up for this week as always we thank you very much for listening I'm Mike Spring and I'm Phil Edwards and we'll see you next week after the ending That looks good.
0: Check all two. Right.
1: Oh, I like you're getting all fancy there. Check hmm. two. Oh. <laughs> Little Al Pacino. Hoo-ah!
0: <laughs> As do like, most buff movies think. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and what? Wepl- oh. <laughs> That's a start. Here we go. We're off. Okay. You're, hey, more hold more on. Time. You're yes. natural at this.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. It's going to be a fun night, I can tell already. That's strike one. <laughs> oh man, score score to the Brit there getting yeah. the baseball puns in. I like it. And as for cricket films,
0: no, let's scratch this bit. I'm
1: like, I can't <laughs> yeah. think of any more. I'm I to say, awesome. man, you are on your own for the cricket films because yeah. I got nothing. All I could think of was Pinocchio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, film. F- I almost called you film. Film. Which is, you know, a fairly understandable, you know, film. Film. All right. But Hobbs gets involved with her anyway, and he starts to slump. And
0: with, then – let me do that again. Yeah, how can you slump with Kim Basinger? I know, right? That's the thing. <laughs> 1984. <Phil>. No. <laughs> That's a good start. <laughs> yep.
1: 1984. I feel like I'm on third base, and there's uh, two – no, I
0: don't know. Forget it. I can't. You got them. You do them naturally. For me, it's painful. The people – yeah, there's people on the on the base. The bases are loaded, and somebody's got a, a bat, is it? Yeah, club a bat and yeah. they're, they're, they're hitting the ball with the big stick thing right, right.
1: <laughs> so Phil don't keep us in suspense any longer what do you have for your long term uh, the farm blows up <laughs> no sorry no here we go here we go that's a very very left turn I did yeah. not see that coming well um, I uh, I wanted to say nope nope completely forgot what I wanted to say now well, you can find me at Iwantmy2dollars.com, everything pop culture. and Or is it all things pop culture? I can't remember, I can't remember my own slogan. <laughs> all right. Well, then that is going to wrap us up for this week. We thank you very much for taking the time to listen to us. And we will see you. No, I, I don't say that yet. Do I want to say I say I'm Mike Spring. I'm Phil Edwards. We'll see you next week after the ending. Someday I'll get this right.